Hi, and welcome to Screens in Focus podcast, where we share and connect as we spotlight our favorite shows and movies. I'm Diana. I'm Brittany. And this is episode 10. Today, we'll be reviewing season three, episodes one and two of The Walking Dead with the lens of control. Before we dive in, how are you doing today, Diana? I'm doing good, Brittany. I'm so excited because tonight, of course, is the the season finale. Season finale of Walking Dead, and then Fear the Walking Dead begins. Oh yeah! Oh, so, so it's right after it's back to back. Okay, cool. So, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm just wishing I saw the weekend and Beyonce at Coachella, but that's okay. That's what the internet is I for. <laughs> that would be so fun to go to. It would. But first, a recap. Okay, season three, episode one, seed. Lori is about to burst and Herschel has a beard. They've been on the road for eight months, clearing out houses, looking for food and supplies, and finally reach the prison, which looked so close at the end of last season. (laughs) Rick devises a plan to get them inside the gates of the prison, and it works. They have a relatively safe place to stay for the night, and Beth sings a song at Herschel's request, and they can all breathe for a moment. Lori and Rick's relationship has become very strained. Meanwhile... Andrea has become sick, and Michonne, the hooded stranger, has taken her in and is caring for her. The next day, the group methodically clears the block, and they move inside. Lori is worried and talks to Herschel, and he's able to calm her fears. Some of the group further explore the dark hallways of the prison, but run into walkers, and Herschel is bit. Rick quickly amputates Herschel's leg with a hatchet to save his life, but Herschel passes out from blood loss and shock. They hear a noise, and as Daryl raises his weapon to shoot, they realize they are not the only living people in the prison. Season 3, Episode 2, Sick. Rick and Tomas agree that Rick's group can have half of their food if Rick helps clear out another cell block for Tomas' group to have. Of course, shit goes sideways because Tomas is not a good guy, so Rick kills him. Big Tiny and Andrew, who are also from that group, die as well. Rick and Daryl leave the other two, Oscar and Axel, in their new cell block, and Herschel wakes up after his wound is cauterized. Okay, Diana, it's time to talk about our theme of control. Where did you see this in these two episodes? So I saw it with the group and the inmates as they fight for control of the prison. The inmates are Tomas, Andrew, Tiny, Oscar, and Axel. So Rick and the inmates are at a standoff. The inmates don't understand why they haven't taken Herschel to a hospital or other facility, and Rick questions how long they have been there because they don't seem to realize the whole world has gone to crap. They say they have been held up for almost 10 months. The group explains to them that the world is gone and shows them the walkers they put down. Tomas can't believe the group took down the 50 walkers and asks, where are you headed now? And Rick tells them, nowhere for now. Thomas starts to dictate where they can stay, and Rick says they cleared the prison and it's theirs. And Tomas says they have been there longer. Rick reminds them that they were in a broom closet and that his group has spilt blood. As the tensions rise, weapons are drawn, and Axel tries to de-escalate the situation and suggests they work something out so everybody wins. But both Tomas and Rick don't see that happening. Daryl says they can try their luck out on the road as he points his crossbow in their face. Tomas reconsiders and Rick negotiates half the food for clearing the block. He also tells Tomas to keep to his area and that if he sees any of them near his people, he will kill him. Tomas agrees. 
As they clear the prison block, Tiny is attacked, and Thomas shows his true colors and kills him mercilessly, and then tries to kill Rick. Rick confronts him and kills him with a machete. Andrew is also killed in the process. Axel and Oscar are spared and left to their own cell block. Okay, Brittany, where did you see the theme of control? So, something I noticed... Without standardized controlled systems such as the federal or state government and hospitals, police stations, PG&E, control is then diluted among each group, right? So it's visibly difficult to deal with a lack of these societal structures controlling us. We don't have to think about these things in such varying degrees. We pay our PG&E bill. We vote for president sometimes congressmen and women. We pay for health insurance, there are jobs, we call 911 when there's an emergency. We rely on others to take control of certain aspects of our lives. And it's a common apathetic response when talking about politics. People say, well, I'm only one vote. I'm only one person. I have no control over it. So why should I get all riled up over it anyway? These things are distanced from us, and it's kind of a luxury that we have in America. Typically, money is the factor that facilitates all of this. Like, you pay for your services. And if you're me, (laughs) you rely on (laughs) Google Maps to get you everywhere. But in the zombie apocalypse, how well would we fare? Like, the new money is a compilation of supplies, trust, and food, Mm -hmm. which is part of supplies, I guess. But how quickly would we really acclimate to the new world? I know I bring this up a lot, but I think it's not something that we can just brush off. There's a reason that people like Rick survive the zombie apocalypse. It takes a special kind of human to not only keep themselves safe, but also to take control and be responsible for an entire group. Rick obviously takes control of his group and he delegates tasks among them. He's the clear leader. He essentially holds the remote control to the group's future and well-being. He wasn't elected, he wasn't appointed, He just stepped in, took control, and everyone else trusted him enough to let him, which I think is really cool. And I totally agree. And I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, it's so true. He just stepped into that role. Mm -hmm. He just got off that truck from the city. Everyone welcomed him and it kind of control switched over to Rick from Shane in that episode when he reunites. So I think that's really cool. Good point. Where else did you see control or lack thereof in these episodes, Diana? I saw it with uh, Carl because he feels he has no control. Uh, Rick and Lori are usually telling him what to do, and he is their kid, of course, but it must be hard for him to deal with all of this and seeing everyone fight and do heroic things. I mean, he has learned so much on the road, but they still shield him from so much. He feels helpless. He talks with Beth and they discuss where to sleep and Herschel walks in and basically tells him to go find a bed somewhere else. He's probably thinking, why do all these adults keep telling me what to do? (laughs) Finally, he goes on a mission on his own without anyone knowing, not even us, the audience know. He goes to the infirmary by himself and brings back supplies that were desperately needed for Herschel. Lori is upset with him because she says the group went out together and look what happened to Herschel. She warns him not to go out by himself. He talks back to her and Beth quickly shuts him up and says, you can't talk to your mom like that. She's your mother. Carl runs off, probably embarrassed because it was Beth who told him something. And he probably has a crush on her since she is the only other person close to his age. 
No control over anything. Poor Carl. Did you see the theme of control anywhere else in the episodes, Brittany? Yes. The characters attempt to control how to react and express their emotions in front of others and for themselves as part of a coping mechanism. I saw this especially with Maggie and Beth with Herschel's injury. It seems as if they've switched mindsets for the time being, with Maggie feeling hopeless and Beth being frustrated that Maggie has given up so easily. Glenn tells Maggie, I'm not expecting, I'm just preparing, when they're talking about Herschel's future. And Maggie, I feel like, is controlling her emotions by telling people that she expects Herschel to die, and maybe this will soften the blow if he does. She is scared that he will, and even though she doesn't want Herschel to die, I think this is part of her grieving process, to feel like she at least has control of her own expectations and feelings. Glenn attempts to do something similar by saying that he's preparing because they all have no control over this, but he wants to be pragmatic. It's hard to control your emotions, especially when you are fearful or in pain. I think, ultimately, that fear is the driving force in what controls our favorite characters, and that just hurts my heart for them. Like you mentioned in the first episode, fear is a recurring theme, and it's always present. Even without the zombie apocalypse, fear controls tons of people around the world. And it's just, it's crazy how powerful fear can be. All right, Diana, did you notice anything else throughout these two episodes? I did. Um, I was so happy for the group when they finally find a place to land for a bit when they reach the prison. They were so happy. I mean, T-Dog or Carol says, finally a place big enough to move. It's like the farm. Herschel starts designating what type of crops they will plant. And I love that Beth sang one of my favorite moments because I felt like it meant something. It was like everyone had time to breathe and enjoy the moment with each other. I loved the quietness as they sang. And I miss those times. And with this cast, it's like I miss old friends and good memories. Aww. And it's a bit of a spoiler alert for anyone that is not current on the season. So, but it's like so many of them are gone more than half. I don't know. I think we did a quick count. It was like six of them were right. gone. So I miss those characters. And so as she was singing that song, I just thought, oh, man, I love this group together. And the fact that they're not, it was sort of heartbreaking. So I it agree. Was, it was, you know, so it was good. But I loved watching that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was about Lori and Rick and their estrangement. I can't believe they have lived like this for the last eight months. I mean, hardly talking, just being somewhat cordial to each other. It was tough watching their relationship or lack thereof. I kept thinking there was something I missed that caused them to drift apart, but nothing actually happened in season three to make it happen. It was everything that happened in season two. Lori planted the seed in Rick to get rid of Shane because he was dangerous. Rick did, and Lori was disgusted, which is what you previously said, Brittany, and I thought it was because she didn't like that Carl had to kill Walker Shane. Anyways, I looked for answers to this because that's what I do when I don't get the why in something, and I read that Rick realized that she loved Shane, and he was just a fool. Once I read this, it made sense to me why Rick was so distant. How could he trust her again? She betrayed him. It's hard to just say, you know, get over it and it all goes away. 
Everybody heals on their own time. And right now, Rick is focused on finding a safe place for all of them. And then he will work on the relationship. I think more light might be shed on this in the coming season. So we will see. Do you have anything to say about that? I just, I think, yes, Lori had feelings for him, but I don't think she loved Shane. Because I think if she loved Shane, one of two things would have happened. One, after being mad at Shane for telling her that Rick was dead, she eventually would have started the affair back up again. Or two, she would have told Rick, oh, me and Shane are together Mm -hmm. now. I love him. Mm -hmm. But I just think, yeah. I'm going to just... But I don't think that she was totally, like, in love with him. I think, yes, she loved Rick, but... You know, sometimes people have a love for someone else, too. I don't know that. That's just what I read. So Mm -hmm. once I read that, I was trying to think, well, how would I feel? Totally. Because I think Rick really does feel like he's a fool. Mm -hmm. So once I realized thinking if you were betrayed that way, I don't know. Then I could see him acting that way. Because otherwise, I can't see how he would act that way. I see both sides. Yeah. I get it. I do, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, Brittany, what other points did you want to bring up about the episodes? So I want to talk about Lori as well. And I'm going to tell everyone that there's like a trigger warning because I'm going to talk about a little bit about like sexual assault and just hypersensitivity about being a woman for everyone. So Lori was scared that she lost the baby. And when I first watched this, I didn't realize that she could have had a couple of reasons to be scared. One, obviously, if the baby was dead, that would be like totally and utterly harrowing. Miscarriage is a serious topic and it's affected so many women. Two, if the baby had died, it could have become a walker inside of her and mm-hmm. bitten her from the inside. She wouldn't know unless it happened. Imagine her sleeping and the baby is dead and wakes up and bites her. Wow, that's just, that's a lot. Three. It has no teeth. (laughs) Okay, scratched her. Three. Additionally, she could blame herself for the miscarriage, probably thinking her stress from dealing with her marital issues are the cause. And I think Sarah Wayne Cowley's deserves a lot more recognition for her performance as Lori. When you unpack this character, she has so many layers. She is terrified, despondent, and ashamed in this scene. And I think she really shines. Mm -hmm. It's sad because she almost knows she's going to die as if there's a huge possibility. And what's even more disheartening is that I feel as if Lori feels like she deserves to die. And I truly feel like if the tables were turned, Lori probably would have forgiven Rick already and they would have made further progress than right now. I am not stereotyping all men, but I have noticed... When men feel wronged, their masculinity and their egos cannot handle it. As women, we're basically taught to hate ourselves. Like, I'm going to be 100% real. We hate our bodies. We hate our looks. We're concerned about being too bossy or aggressive. We've been told that we deserve to be raped because of what we were wearing, because we were drunk. We are told that we deserve to feel inferior. And we internalize this misogyny. And when stuff like this happens... It only heightens those feelings that we work so hard to get rid of or prove wrong. No, 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 no. So, I mean, I just felt so sad for Lori in that moment. And also, watching Carol practice a C-section on that walker made me really nervous. Okay? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just imagine if someone was going to perform a C-section on you. No proper tools, no proper drugs. They don't know that they have, like, the supplies yet. And this is going to be her first time. It sounds silly, but I mean, this show really reminds me of how truly lucky we are 
to not only be in this world, but in this country with some of the best doctors, medical advancements, all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So I was just, this show kind of just gives me a slap in the face sometimes, which Mm -hmm. I appreciate. I also noticed that, like you said, in the, in your first point that those prisoners had been there for like 10 months. (laughs) Uh, I know that some of them were not good people, Tomas mainly, but I felt bad for them when they said they'd been stuck in that cafeteria for however many days. When they walk outside and Big Tiny says, wow, that sun feels amazing. It really hit me that they hadn't been outside and gotten real vitamin D Mm -hmm. in that long. (laughs) And Rick has to explain to them what's going on. And I think one of them asks for a cell phone, like, oh, can I call my mom? And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But, that, I mean, that just, that really hit me like a truck. I felt yeah. so sad for them. That was like a real moment, though. I like that they brought that up. Like, yeah. if people had been shut away, they wouldn't know anything. So, I liked all the questions they were asking. Totally. Yeah. And plus, it helps, it reminds the viewers, too, like, oh, like, this might have happened very quickly for this group. But for some people, they're still in the dark. Yeah. So sad. Okay, Diana, <laughs> it's time for Why We Love Rick. Why do you love Rick? I love Rick because he is in his Rambo mode again. LOL. (laughs) When they get to the prison, he tells everyone where to go and what to do. And he is the one to get through all the walkers and lock the gate. He then sees that Herschel is bit and chops his friend's leg off to save him. I think he went a little crazy for a moment because he looked dizzy, but he just kicked it into gear. Then he stands up to Tomas and says, this is our place and we spilt blood and later kills him with the machete and then leaves Andrew to die amongst the walkers because he didn't play nice with them. Rick returns to the group as Herschel awakens and extends his hand in thanks and Rick responds by clutching his hand with a smile. (laughs) What about you, Brittany? Why do you love Rick? Um, I'm going to rant a little bit because this hit me very hard and it's really important for me to bring this up, both as a woman and someone in a serious relationship. Honestly, I really struggled with Rick during these two episodes. Yes, he once again had plans to keep the group safe, but as far as being a husband, I felt more disappointment than love for him. I absolutely understand where he's coming from. He probably feels so many things when he looks at pregnant Lori. Shame, disappointment, betrayal, embarrassment, sadness, guilt. He has every right to be mad at her. I know this. But this lack of communication is probably why they had problems within their marriage to begin with. She wants to talk things through, as many people would. And Rick wants to either move past it already and probably feels like talking it through would be a waste of his time now. He does not want to revisit that time with Shane because it hurts a lot. I truly believe a lot of how he handles this is just because of his and everyone's ingrained idea of American masculinity. But also, you can't just forgive and forget in a serious relationship or marriage. I I just feel like Rick hasn't even forgiven yet. There are going to be bad days, awful days, and you have to learn to get through them together as a team, not against each other, trying to be right. I heard advice once that when you're fighting with your partner, remember that you two are fighting the problem, not each other. It's you two against the issue. You both want to win in the end and grow from it. You should both be feeling resolvent after you talk things through, even if it takes a lot of talking, fighting, whatever. Right now, Both Rick and Lori are feeling unfulfilled by each other, and in a future episode, after Lori has died, he hears Lori's voice on the phone telling him she loves him, and he basically admits he should have said all this while she was alive. 
He did say he was putting it to the side and that he should have just talked to her when she was there. You are in the zombie apocalypse. You do not have time to hold grudges. No one is safe. Time is not a luxury you have. You cannot take this time with anyone for granted. Tomorrow is not promised. So like Lori said, they can't get a divorce. They're stuck together. So why not try to make it work? It's been months of this. So I just think it must have been so exhausting and it would have taken a toll on Lori being super pregnant. So for now, I can't give you a reason why I love him. I love him, but I'm very disappointed in him. I want to add that I think Rick did forgive her. I don't think that her affair with Shane is why he is upset because he knew that already before these this episode. He already knew that that baby wasn't his. He already knew she had an affair. I don't think it was that. I think it was something, I just feel he felt betrayed by her when she did what he asked him to. It's like, I did what you wanted me to do. And then you're disgusted by me. And I, and I also, again, like I said, I think it takes time for you to change. And maybe Maybe it was too far gone by then. Because yes, they can work on it if they're still going to be together. But I hadn't really thought about it. But maybe it was too far gone. Maybe they would have gotten a divorce. I don't know. I'm going to stick to my point and say Rick needs to man up. I'm going to stick to it. Here's the thing. You have to work things out. You don't have, and I'm going to come back to it. You don't have this luxury to be mad at each mm-hmm. other. And if you are, one of you has to go. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not worth the stress to put on a pregnant woman. Yeah. It's just not. So I love Rick. And I think, of course, he's hurt. I mean, anyone would be hurt. I'm not Team Lori. I'm just yeah. saying you need to get over it. Yeah. Like, it's just, and I know, and time is not a luxury you have. Like, you cannot. Right. It's not. You yeah. cannot do that. And he feels regret later on right. because he, he does. didn't say this. Yes. So, I think, yeah. and we've seen it in a lot of TV shows, a lot of movies, yeah. when people die and you were mad at them and that character feels right. really guilty that that person died knowing that they were mad. And, of course, the moral is that that person is not in heaven casting you down, like saying, oh, I hate right. you. Yeah. But... I think the point is you should just always clear the air. Everyone, you should just totally I try totally agree. to forgive. No, I, I totally agree. I was just trying to put myself in his shoes because he normally does think of those things. And he normally, like I said, he did forgive her about with Shane and the baby. So I was just trying to think what else was making him so distant from her. And that's why I was saying sometimes things just take time. You can't just suck it up. And I think his way of sucking it up was finding a place for them. That was just his mission. Um, I so, know, but, but I, yeah. but I'm but, gonna say yeah. if it, the tables yeah. were turned, and I 100% stand behind this statement, she would have forgiven him mm-hmm. already. I know she yeah. would have. Yeah, I just, I yeah. really no, feel it. I, yeah, I, agree I think with it's that. part of him being yeah. a man. And yeah. I'm sorry. I know right. people are rolling yeah. their eyes at me, but I don't think it was too far gone because why would Lori keep trying? And I think you're right that you can have love for other people, but I'm sure that Lori had love for Shane before the outbreak. He was probably Rick's best man in their wedding, right? Anyway, it could have been better if they just decided to not be together now that I'm thinking about it. Like, stay in the group, fine. But if they were at least on the same page with their relationship and said, okay, this isn't working, so let's not try anymore. I'll help you with this baby. We can co-parent Carl, but we're not together anymore. Our marriage is done. With that, at least they don't owe each other any more fights or explanations. They can just drop the expectations of their relationship and communication getting better. But since they are so up in the air, 
I think it's absolutely unacceptable for Rick to avoid these issues and meaningful progress with Lori. So it was just a big letdown. Okay, so we are at What Are You Currently Watching? And let's bring it to the current season of Season 8, Episode 15, Worth. What did you think, Diana? So I totally cried during Carl's letter (sighs) when Rick was reading it and he narrated it. I cried when I saw the trailer because I saw it ahead of time. And then I cried when I saw the episode. It was so heart-wrenching to see Rick read a letter from his dying son. And what he wrote was so moving. I almost felt it was a call to action for Rick. It felt so motivating. I could really see Rick becoming a great leader and transforming their world. Rick's character has always been so hopeful And so if it could happen, it would take Rick to make it happen. I love that Carl was thinking of his dad and wanting him to be comforted. And also that he wanted Judith to feel what he felt as a kid. Carl was such an awesome character and Chandler Riggs did an amazing job as Carl and narrating that letter. He moved me with his words and it reminded me that words can be enormously powerful. Besides that, Negan's got to go. Simon made a great walker. I am worried for Dwight. And I am so irritated with Eugene, which you have been irritated with him for so long. And I keep getting <laughs> giving him the benefit of the doubt, keep thinking he's going to turn back to his side. Um, so now I'm just like, ah, I'm going to choke you, Eugene. <laughs> and Aaron seems to have made a breakthrough. Not sure. What about you? What do you think? What did you think of the episode? I agree. I need Negan and Eugene to die already. And you're right. <laughs> I've been saying this since Eugene turned that that MFR needs to die. Oh okay. I'm so upset. You really don't understand how upset I am with Eugene. And what sucks is there's things that you talk about and you don't want to be right. Then when it happens, you're yeah. like, it was right. Yeah. You suck, Eugene. So anyway, I also agree with you. Simon was the best walker. That was so fun to watch him. (laughs) On another note, Carl's letter to Rick reminds me of us Americans voicing our concerns about gun control to our government and president. And Carl says, I want you to feel safe. You don't have to forget what happened, but you can make it so it will not happen again. That nobody has to live this way. That every life is worth something. And as everyone knows, America has been saddeningly going through a struggle between whatever you want to call it. Liberals versus conservatives. Republicans versus Democrats. Whatever. We have the most mass shootings every year. And the tug of rope continues on whether or not to to tighten gun control. And Carl's hope for Rick is that he can eventually lead a life worth living rather than this never-ending war, right? Carl tells Negan the way out is working together. It's forgiveness. It's believing that it doesn't have to be a fight anymore because it doesn't. He wants Rick, Negan, and everyone to find peace, to create a community that they can be proud of. And this is exactly how I feel with our country. So this really touched me. And those letters were really nice from Carl. Anyway, what else are you watching, Diana? Okay, so I am watching all my 
reality shows, which I love. Um, I have regular ones every day. But um, I think I told you last week that I'm watching a little more of American Idol and I watched it this week and I really like the duets. Mm. I love the celebrities and I felt that the contestants really stepped up. So I'm actually enjoying it now. Um, and then I watched a new show, Barry, on HBO about a hitman played by Bill Hader who decides he wants to be an L.A. actor. <laughs> it's a comedy with violence. Um, it's very interesting. And Henry Winkler plays the acting teacher and is so dead on. And he uses like personal information he knows on one of the actresses to get to her truth. And it is so rude. Um, anyway, Barry follows his mark and ends up as his scene partner. And although he is a bad actor, he decides this is what he wants to do with his life. Um, it's written, produced and directed and acted by Bill Hader, at least the first episode. So I am looking forward to see the others. The only movie I saw was The Foreigner. I saw it on DVD. Um, and Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan are in it. And um, basically, it's Jackie Chan's daughter is killed in a terrorist attack in London. And it has to do with the IRA. So it's this political um, terrorist act. And so, but all Jackie Chan wants is vengeance for his daughter. And so um, he's just going for it. And I haven't seen Jackie Chan in this series of a role, and he did a really good job. Hmm. That was good. I liked it. Cool. What are you watching? A lot, of course. Mm -hmm. So my TV shows, I watched Residue. It's a mini series on Netflix. So in the aftermath of a massive explosion, a photojournalist begins to see phantoms in her photographs of the quarantine zone. And she launches a search for the truth behind what could be a vast government conspiracy. It's actually supposed to be a prelude to an actual full-length season. So I hope that they continue it and make it a longer series. And Natalia Tana from Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, as well as Ewan Rion, you know, our favorite, <laughs> from Game of Thrones are in this. And at first, it's kind of weird to see them because they're a couple. But then you get over it after the first 15 minutes. It's just funny. <laughs> and then I also am continuing to watch Dark. It's this mystery th thriller in this German town. And there's a lot going on. There's supernatural elements. And everyone in this town has something to hide. So I'm still forcing myself to continue on because I want to figure out what's happening. And also, Electric Dreams. So this is on Amazon Prime Video. It's reminiscent of Black Mirror, and I love it. And it's based on Philip K. Dick, and he has written his, it's based on his stories. So he's published 44 novels and approximately 121 short stories. Wow. And a lot of his work has been picked up to make films, including mm -hmm. Blade Runner, Minority Report, The Adjustment Bureau, and mm. Total Recall. So I didn't even realize that those were based on other science fiction stories. So it's really cool. I like it a lot. There's 10 episodes. And then for movies, all these are on Netflix, by the way. I watched The Open House. It's a thriller about a mom and son who are staying in her sister's house, but it's for sale, so they have to leave on Sundays for a few hours. And weird stuff starts happening, but the ending was so bad. 
I give this a one out of ten. I'm just oh, telling, telling okay, you this so that, that you don't yeah. watch it. Meditation Park. This was my favorite movie this week. So this 60-year-old Chinese-Canadian woman finds out her husband is cheating on her with a younger woman. So she begins to be more independent with money, her time, and her goals. Sandra Oh plays their daughter. Mm-hmm. And this movie really moved me. It's about like immigrant women and how in their culture, or depending on the culture, they devote their lives to their husbands. So the daughter is very independent on the other hand. And I just, I highly recommend this movie. My parents were born in the Philippines and their parents moved here when they were in their 30s. So I can totally relate to some of the things that Mm -hmm. you can see. Like the grandkids are, they're not fluent in the language like I think it's Mandarin or Cantonese and they're learning to try to connect with their grandparents so it's really sweet and then I watched Roxanne Roxanne it is a biographical film about the best battle rapper in Queens New York in the 1980s so I think that stories like these need to be told and I was super impressed actually then I watched Layla M. So this girl is facing repeated bigotry in Amsterdam, and she tries to find a sense of belonging in the world of fundamentalist Islam. Very interesting. I like kids' movies, so I watched Leap. <laughs> it's about a young orphan who impersonates someone else so that she can audition as Clara in the Nutcracker in this ballet school in Paris. So it's really sweet. It's light, and just if you want to put something on and while you're doing mm-hmm. something else, it's really cute. And then I also watched Six Balloons because you told me about it, and my friend Serena told me about it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got to watch this. So thank you for the recommendation. And that's it. That's all, folks. All right, Diana, it is time for, and the award goes to, what was your favorite character, quote, or moment? I would say Maggie for loving her dad so much that she would let him go. She tells him he doesn't have to fight anymore and that he doesn't have to worry about them. They will take care of each other. She says, go ahead, daddy, be peaceful. You don't have to fight if it's time to go. It's okay. I just want to thank you for everything. Thank you. What a loving thing to say. It really touched my heart. And Brittany, what was your favorite moment? Who does your award go to? My award goes to Lori, of course. We've been talking a lot about her, but you can really feel her genuine regret, her sorrow and despair when it comes to trying to patch things up with Rick. She has become hyper self-aware of her mistakes and how it's affected him. Because of this, She's just resigned to agreeing with him because nothing she says is good enough for him. He is completely taciturn and reluctant towards her. I think she puts herself on the line repeatedly, and I really appreciate her unfiltered honesty and trying to show Rick that she is always on his side and she supports his every decision. She says, look, I know I'm a shitty wife and I'm not winning mother of the year award, but I need you to know that not for one second do I think there is malice in your heart. You're not a killer, and I know that. I know that, so so do whatever you got to do to keep this place safe, and do it with a clear conscience. All right, that's the end of our show. Thanks for tuning in. We are grateful you tuned in, and we hope something we said today resonated with you and gave you a chuckle, some happiness, some positivity, or inspiration. Please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. We would love more members of our TV club. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We need your feedback. We'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday. Next show will be on Season 3, Episodes 3 and 4. You can find our blog at the link listed in our description. See you next time. Bye.